greatest new podcast in the world. From WWE to DNA Impact. By way of the NWA, it's time for Reffing It Up. With legendary referee Brian Hebner. An all new episode starts in... This, this is Reffing It Up. Welcome back to another episode of Reffing It Up with Brian Hebner. I am the man with the magical voice, RJ. He's the man in the stripes, Mr. Brian Hebner. Brian, what's up, man? Not a whole lot, dude. Uh, busy week in wrestling. Busy week in wrestling, man. Uh, ready to dig into this. And then, uh, man, your boy, Josh Alexander, is going to be on today, man. And uh, woo. Yeah. Yeah, I told uh, a little peek behind the curtain. I actually spoke with uh, your good buddy there, Daniel Spencer. Uh, DM me. A little bit ago, he said, uh, you got Josh on tonight? I'm like, yep. I'm like, it's a bucket list, man. Check it off. I got, uh, I told my wife, I said, I'm talking to Josh tonight. Hopefully in the near future, we'll have uh, my next one up is Kurt Angle. And then I can, uh, I can die a happy man. Uh, there you go. But uh, no, yeah, definitely looking forward to the show. And without, uh, obviously a happy belated birthday, you turned, what was it? Like 58, right? 58. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, right. Okay. <laughs> no, it was uh seriously, I will always remember that now because it's the day before my anniversary wedding anniversary, too. So I'm like, oh well, good things. Uh and on top of that, your day your day before the great Dusty Rhodes or a couple of days, he his birthday was uh his heavenly birthday, we should say. Well, Eddie today. Guerrero, Eddie Guerrero also shares the same birthday with me. As you as the ninth. Yep. Man, a lot of good wrestling birthdays, let me tell you. But yeah, uh as you said, we got a lot of wrestling to talk about, so let's send it up to the first count. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your first count. It was a big, big weekend for professional wrestling. You had Bound for Glory for Impact on Friday, Extreme Rules for WWE on Saturday, and then obviously we had football on Sunday, but we won't get into that. Uh, first of all, Bound for Glory, hell of a show. Absolutely phenomenal. Uh, I actually had uh, my wife killed me because I had Gavin stay up uh, all night and basically watched everything into the main event until he started falling asleep. Like, bud, you got to go to bed, bud. I'll let you know if Josh wins. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, it was a really, really solid pay-per-view, really. It was. Yeah. Um, I, I, I really enjoyed it. I sat down and watched the whole thing. Um, uh, I... I I got it mirrored through my phone to my TV. It took me a little while. I'm not smart at that kind of stuff, but I figured it out. And um, and I just figured out too that you you, you get the Impact Plus pay per views on the Impact app. Mm-hmm. And I had actually texted you about that, and not the uh, the main pay per view. So I was shocked because I planned on doing it through my app, and it didn't work, and I didn't know why. And uh, but anyway, I, I ended up getting it and uh, mirrored it to my TV and enjoyed it thoroughly. Yeah, we had uh, two new champions. We had a new X Division champion in in Frankie Kazarian. Uh, and then we had new women's tag team champions, which, you know, congratulations to the new champs, but I'm still a little upset that Vex, uh, Chelsea, and Deanna aren't champions anymore. But, you know, I guess they're going to, I guess they can just, you know, cl- start collecting belts even more. So, yeah, maybe. Um, I will say, too, that Frankie Kazarian uh, Bailey match was off the chain uh super 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 match uh if you didn't see it 
it's that I mean, there's a lot on the show you need to go back, but this was a really solid. This just really stuck out to me that um wanted me to just say, golly, what a match. Yeah, and that's even something we talked about last week before the show, um, the impact show that was that that was gonna be I, I, I don't know if you sneaky good match because if the listeners, I know you know both guys very well, but um for our listeners that aren't familiar with Frankie Kazarian and now Mike Mike Bailey, two phenomenal talents, so some of the best in impact ever, really. Uh and they put on a banger of a show, so it wasn't really a surprise to anybody, I think. Yeah. Um, you know, something I uh, found out too, which is really to me is kind of disturbing, but uh they had the um uh, the women of wrestling, I believe is what it is. Uh, uh, correct. Okay. Uh, well, they're doing this, this um, TV type stuff that ring of honor used to do uh, syndicated and um, just going through some stuff, you know, their viewership was three times what impact is. Really? And yeah, I mean, man, and it's, to me, it's just such a shame because impact is such a good product. I believe right now, well, I, I, well, we'll go touch on that, but it is the, one of the best product right now. But uh, it's just sad that they can't get more eyes, man. They just can't get more eyes on them. And I don't know what to do about that. And, you know, obviously it's not up to me to do something about it. But I'm saying I don't know what they do about it. But, you know, it's got to be some TV deal, man. It's got to be. Yeah, because it's got to be once you get on that, you know, a ma- major uh, television network, the that they'll they're going to shoot up. It's only a matter of time. And it's just like, okay, how long can we really, how long can we really do this? You know what I mean? Because it's like, okay, you can put it enough, put it enough, put it enough. But for all we know, something could be in the works and we don't know yet. You know, that's, that's very true. It's very true. But I just thought that was interesting. I want to throw that out there because it, it was almost depressing to me to read it. Um, I just, you know, because I just think that impacts so good and it can be, on a platform that's bigger. And, uh, you know, I don't, I, I, I still think that you can be maybe, and I don't know TV. And obviously if I say this, somebody that does know TV will say, well, he's a dumbass. but, um, you know, could you still be on access TV and be syndicated? Uh, I don't know. It's just, it's just, I don't know what you can do, but I don't know. You probably could. Cause I know, I, I know TV programs can do that where you can still be on say like a television pro series can be on say NBC live or whatever the case may be seasonal episodically running and then still be on say you know tnt or something in syndication i know some people have done that not frequently but you know it's it's hard to do but uh but also we saw uh bully ray ended up winning the call your shot gauntlet match i came down to him and steve macklin uh, which I'll, everybody, you know, all respect to Bully Ray, but my son and I were both rooting for Steve Macklin to win, but not his time. <laughs> well, I mean, first of all, I was shocked when he showed up. Yeah. Um, and as the gauntlet started to get lower and lower as far as participants, uh, I had a couple of buddies over. We were watching it and uh, we were betting, man. And nobody, including myself, bet Bully Ray was going to win. And I'm like, dude, he's not under contract. He's not going to freaking win the thing. Right. And he he freaking did. And um, I'm really, really, really anxious to see where this goes for him with winning that. Uh, me and you kind of talked about it a little bit. And I don't know. I don't know where it's really going to go, really. But it's going to be interesting. It's it's a, it's a neat moment for Impact and a neat moment for Bully, I'm sure. He, he takes everything he does serious. So this is going to be something really good that he's going to have thought process and probably have some uh, uh, say-so, and, should I say, and where this thing goes. Yeah, because he, 
everything happens for a reason. Like we said, we went back and forth. Obviously, we're not getting into the specifics of it, but I, I think this happened for a reason. I think there's a, maybe not long term, but you know, booking short term, but that's gonna you know really pack a punch. Uh, and I really, and that's something obviously we can bring up to Josh when we bring him in too. Is this uh, this match that he's potentially gonna have with Bully Ray, whether it's you know a legit bell to bell match or is it something that he comes in in and kind of uh, pulls an edge or an opportunist right. kind of thing. It's weird, but, really, yeah. really gonna be interesting. Um, Bully's not done with his career, obviously, and uh, yeah. I think he can really, really be a good hands on for them help possibly get more eyes, you know, on the product, which is great. So Do you think uh, we'll see, seeing, man. going to be interesting. Well, seeing you seeing bully there. Is this the best shape that you've ever seen him in? No, it wasn't the best shape. Now he was in great shape, but I saw some bully Ray moments where that dude was freaking jacked. Um, mm -hmm. And believe me, he showed everybody. Um, so yeah, I know I've seen him in better shape, but, but no, I know what you're getting at. He, yes. He was in great shape. Great shape. Looked yeah. wonderful. Definitely be definitely uh, uh, working his ass off. That's for sure. Uh, but somebody that's been working her ass off for years. I think that she just celebrated an anniversary in the business is Mickey James. Her career's not, not, uh, has not ended, man. She had that match, a career threatening match against uh, Mia Yim beat Mia Yim soundly. I mind you, which that was, I thought it was a pretty damn good match between the both of them. No, it was very, very good. Um, and I expected it. I really did. I expected a really good, solid match. And we got that. Uh, that was uh, bell to bell. I enjoyed the whole thing uh, and really loved the finish. Thought it was just a really, really good match. Um, I could tell that uh, Gail Kim had fingerprints all over that thing. And, uh, yeah. and you know, with Mickey, the veteran she is, and, uh, you know, you just knew yeah. it was going to be a, a, a good one. I don't think she I, I think she's one of those few people out there that we can safely say that it's a possibility that she'll never retire. Well, you never <laughs> know, man. Yeah, you never I know mean, in the business. Yeah, it, it was great, man. Uh, so uh, that was Friday night. Saturday night, we had extreme rules. The only big thing I really want to get your thoughts on is the return of Bray Wyatt uh, happened at tort after the main event there where Riddle beat uh Seth Rollins in the uh the pit match submitted him and then the lights went out and out came Bray Wyatt. Uh what are your thoughts on that when he came out? Well, I'll I'll say this. This is something I haven't been able to say in a long long time and I'm glad I can. Um WWE is really fun right now. Uh it really is. And I think that the brains behind the Bray Wyatt gimmick is um extraordinary and they've done an extraordinary job. Uh, this has not been rushed. This has been just dragged along with codes and all these kinds of things. And, uh, man, that place came unglued when he came out, which right. is what you want. I mean, he's a fucking star, man, and he shows that. You don't get that kind of pop and that kind of reaction unless you're a star. Right. He is a star. Um, I'm so into this. I really am. I am so into this, and I can't even describe to you how long it's been since I've been into this. This is like... And I actually tweeted about it, how this is like Undertaker-ish at this point. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is some good stuff. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's got me watching Raw, a lot of it. And um, and then last night also, the Brock Lesnar-Bobby Lashley interaction. Wow. 
Um, that was amazing. I mean, WWE is doing some good stuff right now, and I really am digging it. And I haven't been able to say that in a long time because it's been a while since I've been able to watch their show for three hours. Um, and I still can't do it yet, but I'm watching a lot more of it. And, uh, yeah, man, uh, Bray Wyatt's killing it. I can't wait to see what's next. Uh, I hope they really, really still just continue to take their time. Now that he's been seen, let him just keep being seen a little bit here and there, in my opinion, and just work him into where he's on there weekly or whatever it may be. Yeah. But, golly, it's so good. Yeah, because I think it came out today. Uh, and then we'll move on after this, but came out today that officially, unofficially, officially, whatever way you want to do it, rumor has it that he's officially been assigned to the SmackDown brand. Really? Mm-hmm. So I'm surprised. I really am. Well, so I I am too a little bit, but at this point, I think it's just a matter of they're trying to build. I would think they want to kind of uh, build that Friday night rankings you know even though even though they're doing better than raw but still it's like okay maybe it's one of those things where he'll show up wherever the hell he wants but he's assigned quote unquote to smackdown who knows yeah i mean it's all about ratings that's what it's got to be about i mean well, their their flagship show has always been and always will be raw i mean that's just the, that's the truth and then maybe they just they they want him to feud with a couple guys over there then they'll move him who knows at this point but everybody's favorite review is up now, Brian. The Refin review from last week. We had uh, two big things from last week. Um, we had the Gunther versus Sheamus on SmackDown incident there. And then you, we also had the uh, AEW Dynamite main event incident as well. Um, I don't know if you have any additional ones to that, but uh, we can certainly start whenever, uh, whichever one you want. Okay, so... Let's go ahead and start with the Gunther and Sheamus on SmackDown. Um, obviously, um, I've done my homework. Okay, I've done my homework. It was a clear tap, a clear as hell tap. I don't want to hear somebody tell me that he was trying to grab for the rope twice and missed it. I mean, give me a fucking break. It was a tap. He legitimately tapped. I watched it over and over and over again. I've talked to four MMA guys in the business. And I don't mean your big top stars. I'm talking about guys that are in MMA and or have been in MMA. That was a legit qualified tap. Now, where I feel bad for the referee, who I know, and I'm not bashing her because this is a tough spot. It wasn't the plan finish, which threw her way off. And I get it. But if if it, if it if it's tapped like that, you got to call the match. You got to bring legitimacy to this mistake, and that's what it was. It was a mistake, and she tried to wave it off. And if it was not, if this was something that was done a certain way, and it, it was no big deal, and all that, kind of, then why was she waving it off? She was waving it off because it was an obvious tap and she knew it and she had to override it by saying no it wasn't no it wasn't well if it wasn't a tap you shouldn't have reacted you mm-hmm. should have just carried on and kept going through the match the way you should have that's not what she did that's not what she did at all so hindsight 2020 if i was in the ring and that were to happen li- listen i'm not perfect and i'm not saying what i would have wouldn't do because i don't know but i just know that that wasn't the finish and that threw her way off and she was probably scared to make that call um, you know, and that's, you know, that's, uh, that's understandable and I'm not bashing her, but what I am saying is just like they told me, 
If someone doesn't kick out, you count the fucker out. If they don't break the count and they're on the outside, you count them the fuck out. They started giving bonuses for things that we would do if the guys didn't admonish by the rules. That was just a blatant, bad, bad moment. And I hope they correct it, call it, do something. But because this was on SmackDown, right? Yes, it was. So maybe they will on SmackDown. Maybe she's going to be a heel reference. I don't know. Or maybe I don't know. But what pisses me off in this industry, well, I'll wait to get to that because I have another one that pisses me off and we'll worry about it. And then that'll tie these two together. Yeah. But we so, also, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, no. And then we have the AEW Dynamite main event. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't even know what to say to that one. Um, that, that, that was just bad timing, bad spacing, bad everything. Just, just horrible. Inexplicable. Uh, it just, it just, it was just fucking bad. It was just fucking bad. And if it was the boys, then they buried the ref. If it was her, she was in the wrong spot. There were more bodies out there than needed to be, and you could have used everybody in the world. There were so many ways around that shit. And here's another thing that pisses me off, and this ties them two together. Stop ignoring us as fans and us as people who see this shit happen. Don't act like it didn't happen and assault our intelligence. We see the shit happen in the fucking ring. Don't act like it just didn't happen to you because you're booking it. No, it did happen. We saw it. It doesn't make sense and it looks stupid. Now explain to me why the fuck this happened. That's what pisses me off. I can't go to work and pump gas and spill gas all over your car and act like I didn't do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I want to be explained to and told to as a not only a fan, but as a person in the business that's been in there before. I want to know why we're not addressing this. Don't act like there's not the elephant in the room. There is. There's two of them. Two big fucking fat elephants that happened this week. So tell me why, or tell me and explain to me storyline-wise how to get out of this. You got all the brains in the world around it. So figure this out. Let me know why this happened. You can't just sit there and look at a finish right in front of you and it not be explained and it just says, okay, it, it, it doesn't happen and it doesn't work for me. And I know it doesn't work for a lot of other people. Figure the fucking shit out. Let us know what happened. Don't chicken shit out of it. Tell us why and how it happened. Well, you know what, Brian? I don't. Uh, I don't think we can end this segment on a better note, or you know, a more of a heat-ish. We guess we could say note, but let's send it up and hear from our good buddy Kurt Angle, and we'll be right back with Josh Alexander. Hello, it's Kurt Angle, 1996 Olympic gold medalist and 13-time world professional wrestling champion for Curable Active. My job for years as a top professional wrestler was to give millions of wrestling fans five-star matches they would remember for a lifetime. But to do my job, I had to put my body on the line. Unfortunately, I'm paying the price with injuries I've had on the mat and in the pro wrestling ring. My neck, which I broke five times, and I just had double knee replacement surgery, so I know pain. Aches and pains are part of life and pain sucks. You can suffer with it or manage it with all-natural Curable Active. This decision changed my life. I apply Curable Active daily to my achy areas for soothing pain relief. If Curable Active can get me through my day, there's a good chance it can help you too. Get Curable Active just like thousands of others and save 20% today. Go to curable.com, use promo code KURT20. That's K-U-R-I-B-L.com, code K-U-R-T-20. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your second count. count, count, count. 
Well, Brian, we uh, we are not liars here on Reffing It Up. We have the current Impact World Heavyweight Champion himself. He successfully defended his title this past week against Eddie Edwards, the one, the only, Mr. Josh Alexander. Josh, welcome to the show, man. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm liking that Brody Lee shirt I see in the background there. Not that anybody else can see it, but <laughs> no, actually, actually, I, I moved, I moved it too. I had a, uh, a Kurt Angle uh, figure right down here. I moved it up on top of my Savage and uh, Piper one there, and uh, I actually showed this to Brian too. That was the last wrestling pay per view, well, one of the last ones I went to, the Survivor Series of uh, 04 in Cleveland. Damn, it's a ways back. Yeah, yes, Josh, Josh. So we before we continue, yes, he is a Mark. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. all. Hey, Brian, we're all marks. Yes, we are. <laughs> uh, I'm not. I'm not throwing myself on hardwood floors from the ring and stuff like that because I I wasn't a fan of this stuff, you know. <laughs> so. Exactly. No, well, it's but... good having you on here, man. We really do appreciate it, and uh, what a great match you had at uh, Bound for Glory. I really, really enjoyed it, man. It was a lot of fun, and um, um, I don't think anybody's more excited about having you on the show than RJ. Um, I had to make him wear some depends. Um, <laughs> Because this is Mount Rushmore. He was very, very excited about it. When I told him that you were coming on, he completely lost his shit. So um, I really do appreciate it. You taking time out. I know you're busy. And uh, thank you so much. So, Yeah, of course. No problem, man. In the short time we've worked together, we've been through a lot together. So. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, But uh, when was the first time, Brian, that you got um, you got to work with Josh? Obviously, it was probably towards the end of your time there the first go around then you came back right uh my first time around josh was not there he was not there okay but it was the second time when you came back after after uh, nwa NWA, right yeah yeah yeah. um and then um in my opinion uh me and josh clicked right away i think that we both realized that uh we're both uh take our jobs very serious and we like our shit right and um me and him we didn't even talk about it really. I think we just both knew that, okay, this guy wants to have shit, right? Oh, this guy wants to have shit, right? And me and him clicked immediately. And, um, we kind of got to a stage where, um, I I always compare and I know I wanted to ask this later, but anyway, I'm getting there. Um, I know I just, I'm bad, but, um, you know, I kind (laughs) of, kind of, it's, it's kind of like a Kurt Angle thing. He knew what I was doing in the ring at all times. and I knew what he was doing and it got that, good that quick and it kind of sucked when I left because you know me and him really had a chemistry going on he was a champion and I didn't I really wanted to work with him more um but in my opinion I felt like our chemistry was you know really really solid and then I think he always knew I was there for him and he was always there for me and we kind of read each other you know in the ring he could look at me and kind of give me that look and I'd be like oh shoot you want somebody to duck you know that kind of shit you know um but no it was, it was awesome and um Josh has always been a great guy and um I think he's the right choice at this point for world champion, in my opinion. And I don't see anybody beating him for a while. No, for sure. And I think it's just a lot of comparisons. I've obviously that's probably something that you hear quite a bit, Josh, I'm assuming that the comparison between yourself and Kurt. Yeah. Yeah. I actually started hearing it for the first time right before I went into my singles run heard it from a couple of people backstage at impact that, and it was like weird stuff. It wasn't even like the way I work. It was like, because I'll put my match together or whatever, and I'll go sit at the monitor and I'll just watch the entire show until my match. Like I'm not pacing around. I'm not doing all this, putting in headphones and listen to music. I'm watching the show. Cause I want to see what everybody else does. And like, 
somebody came up and they were like, I thought you were Kurt Angle from a second from like eight years ago when I saw him doing that all the time because your big bald head is just parked right in front of the monitor the entire time. That and like D'Lo has said it in the past and stuff like that. And I started to hear it. It's of course very flattering stuff. And then of course, Brian, you know, somebody who's worked with them plenty, you know, to bring up that comparison, you know, it, it just means a great deal to me because Kurt's obviously one of my heroes, somebody that I pay respects to every time I slap on an ankle lock and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, it's just it's nice to hear but uh you know i personally think i have a long way to go to fill those boots but right so so josh you um you went through a phase in your career where you were banged up and then and doing our our notes and research um you had hid the fact that you were hurt to further your career do you think that that ultimately would catch you or do you think you made it through Oh, I definitely didn't make it through because I ended up having to have a second neck surgery <laughs> nine months later. Uh, it was it was this weird like flux in my career where I was finally getting uh, spots with Ring of Honor as part of the tag team Monster Mafia, which later became the North when we came to Impact Wrestling. But it was in 2013, we started getting bookings with Ring of Honor and they were talking about signing us, which was the ultimate goal. And, you know, at that point in your career, when you're a young wrestler, you don't care what the number is that you're getting signed for. You just want to sign your name to a piece of paper to say you belong somewhere, to, to have some company say that they want you. It's like a certain amount of validation, right? But uh, they were talking about it and toying with it. We were, we were tearing it up, man. We were honestly, like, if we weren't stealing shows, we were coming close on those Ring of Honor cards. And I ended up breaking my neck on one of them. And... I didn't know it because Canadian healthcare and all that stuff. So I didn't find out till six weeks later when I finally got an MRI that I had broken my neck and was working with it. And uh, I decided to have surgery and not tell anybody <laughs> so that I could come back six weeks later and still try to get that contract that actually never happened. And then, you know, it was like some seven months post-surgery. I ended up breaking my neck again because I didn't rehab it because I'm an idiot but uh you know to say i would do anything differently i can't now because it's all kind of worked out in a kind of serendipitous way but uh yeah back then uh it definitely bit me in the ass how are you physically now in shape uh, as far as overall like in other words you look amazing by the way um i saw a shot of you with the uh belt the other day on twitter that uh impacts uh actually tweeted where you had the belt above your head bro you were jacked man you, are you bigger than you were before i left I'm I'm not bigger, but I'm, I've definitely leaned out a lot. I've lost about 14 pounds of bad weight, which, uh, you know, it's just a lot of hard work and a lot of cardio for that stuff. But uh, uh, otherwise, like health-wise, everything hurts except my neck usually, which is great because, <laughs> you know, that's what the doctors told me after my second surgery. They said, if you rehab this right, nothing nothing's ever going to break this titanium, so you'll be fine. And uh, I've been pretty diligent about staying away from it. I've learned how to protect myself over the years since I came back from surgery. Cause that was 2014. So I've been, I've been wrestling with this, these screws and plates in my neck for eight years now. And uh, you know, I've been doing just fine knock on wood, but uh, yeah, I feel good. Yeah. Cause even at that time too, cause I first saw you, saw you and um, Ethan there in 15 there when you had those matches with the young bucks and PWG, uh, I actually just watched them the other yesterday. I actually watched them with my son. <laughs> I'm yeah. like, hey, buddy, you want you want to see a, 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 a Josh and Josh wrestling the Young Bucks? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Put him on. He's like, oh, and he's ten, so it's like he watch. He likes all the uh, stuff I like watch too. So he's like, man, that's Josh. I'm like, yeah, but kind of, kind of, kind of. Yeah, I know. That's yeah. uh, that's before he had the beard and shaved his head, and yep, yeah, that's him. But no, it's. 
what I found interesting too, I'm like, you had these great ma- matches at the Young Bucks and all that, and fantastic matches, cage matches, what have you. I, I know Never Say Never, but I always thought you guys, I always wanted to see you and Ethan with, uh, when you're in the tag team with uh, FTR. Yeah. And never really material. I'm like, never say never, but I'm like, I know a lot of people out there. Hey, you got to ask, you got to ask it. But I'm like, man, that would be a hell of a match though. I get, I get asked that one all the time. And honestly, if there was ever going to be like a reunion for the North, I I say that's the only one that's going to get me interested, man. Uh, I would say the young bucks or something like that, but we've done that several times. I'm sure if we did it back it'd be better than the ones before now, especially at this point in our career, but you know, that FDR match, that's, that's, that's the one that really gets me, uh, Gets me interested. Yeah, because that was the other thing I meant meant to mention to you, Brian, too. And Josh, I'm glad you're here too, because it ties this into is uh I, f- I believe it was um a wrestling observer reported that um Ethan Page actually just sat in and and did one of his uh first agent uh one of his matches. Is that yeah. something that uh, you know when you know everything is sewed up and boots are hung up, is that something that you would like to do in the in the future yeah I, I see myself now especially since i've made it to like a point in my career where i'm working on television for a company like this when i see like what agents and producers have to do that's something that i would love to do after i'm physically incapable of wrestling because part part of this like the reason why i think ethan page is going to be so uh good at it like if he if he isn't already regarded as being good at it from the first time he did it he's very creative and like that's the one thing that we always had in common in the north is that we get our juice from putting together matches and like having it go out there when you have those those spots or whatever put together and you see how the 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 crowd clicks with that and that idea just catches fire right and that's that's something that like we really enjoy about the pro wrestling thing and i think that's something that agents and producers really help with because you have the basic structure of whatever match you want to put on television, but you also have to lead these other people through it that are actually conducting the stuff physically. So it, it's a way that I'm going to be able to get the juice out of the business after I'm physically capable of doing it. Yeah. So there was a, there was a time also when uh, the North um, went on to challenge the motor city machine guns and it was unsuccessful, obviously uh, at the emergence pay-per-view. And then you ultimately won them at the Bountiful glory pay-per-view, but then a few weeks later, you lost to the go the go, uh, the Good Brothers at Turning Point. Did you feel like at that point in time when you were tagging that that was all going storyline wise? Because that's that's after after that loss to the Good Brothers, that's when you guys storyline wise you, you y'all were not on the same page. Was the story? Um, is that why the quick title change, loss, win, that kind of thing? I, I honestly didn't expect to win the titles again at Bound for Glory uh, because I knew. Uh, that Ethan Page's intent was to leave Impact. It was already kind of side sealed and delivered. You know what I mean? And I knew that my contract was longer than his and all this other stuff. So I would be left in this state of limbo, not knowing where my career was going to go. So I was preparing for that and he was preparing for that. And then, you know, they ended up putting the championships on us again, which, you know, worked in a way so that we could, you know, help elevate the good brothers and hand the titles over to them in a different match. But, uh, you know, it's just like television wrestling, man. But it was all storyline stuff. But we were definitely prepared for it. I, I we, like, I knew well in advance because of my relationship with Ethan, what his intentions were. So, so do you? I mean, so on, on that note, like, and this is this is a real question I really have. I mean, I've been in the business for a hundred years, it seems like. But uh, <laughs> when was it that the light bulb clicked off to the higher ups that be that says 
Josh can go by himself. Let's give him the fucking rocket and let's go. Like, is, is it something that they didn't figure out for a while and then figured out once this, uh, once page left? I mean, is it, is it like, I, I don't know. I don't know if I'm asking right. In other words, when was it that they figured out that you could be the face of the company? Like, you know what I mean? Like, does it just come out of nowhere? I mean, there's two separate answers there. I think the face of the company thing happened a little bit later, but uh, they they knew from the second they signed me that I was uh, what I what I think you need to be to be a top guy, at least the main event star in any wrestling program, which is dependable and reliable and consistent. You need you need to be those things. You need to be able to work with anybody at any time on like a moment's notice and be able to go out there and produce a match. And that's something that like when they signed me. They, they started trusting me with those things, even when I was on a tag team. If you look at our tag run as the North in that, you know, year plus run as tag team champions, anytime they had a marquee singles matchup where they needed like one of the impact guys to go under, I was the one chosen. Mara Fuji, Vikingo, uh, you know, there, there's several other marquee singles matches I had during that tag team run. But uh, I was always the one chosen and given the trust of that. And like, it, I always say it like they gave me the ball, they gave me the opportunity and I didn't drop the ball. So I kept getting more. So when my singles run materialized, they were just like, this guy goes out there every time. And regardless of who it's against or what we give him or what we tell him to do, he does his job and he does it well. And he like over exceeds our expectations. That's what I like. That's all I ever try to do. I just try to bust my ass and work hard. And uh, at, at some point during that X division run, it was pretty early on. I think it was right after the Ironman match that they, they, they thought they had something in me as a baby face that could maybe lead the company going forward loyalty means a lot for most companies not all loyalty means a lot to most um i think impacts one of those where loyalty means a lot and is there, were there opportunities for you to do other things and that you were loyal to the company you work for now or have you just kind of pushed those away and stayed loyal because that's where you're happy and having fun Oh, no, I had opportunities to go elsewhere, 100%. If I would have wrote up my contract and not agreed to, you know, a new deal or something like that. But, like, it, it, it didn't really cross my mind because I, I, A, felt like I had unfinished business here at Impact, you know. It, uh, I, I felt like there was so much more I could do and offer and show, not just, you know, Impact, but the wrestling industry as a whole, all these other companies, what I'm capable of. And, you know, I impact was the first company that gave me an opportunity i talked about ring of honor i also had evolved over the years toy with me with contracts and stuff like that and that never materialized and then finally scott demore called me up you know offered me a contract and like they were the company that gave me an opportunity and that's all you can ask for as a professional wrestler and since i got here it's been nothing but roses for me man i was here for like two months and then i was tag team champion i lost the tag belt so it was you know, without a belt for three months, I was X division champion. I never lost that belt. I won the world championship. Six months later, I win the world championship again. Like it's for me, the, like the thing that I get out of wrestling, it's not, it's not winning all the time. It's not the championships. It's the challenges. I want to be challenged. I want to feel like I'm in an uncomfortable position where I have to better myself and, you know, improve. And it's been nothing but that the entire time I've been here. And that's all I could ask for. So I, I'm very happy to stay. You know, it's one of those things, too, is everybody gets some, okay, this guy needs a title. This guy needs a title. That guy needs a title. I think it's great that, you know, you've had the X Division. You had the tags. You had the, um, the heavyweight. But 
do you like the chase better than the you know being chased? You know what I mean? Um, would, you, would you rather be up the guy on top, everybody chasing you, or do you want you do you enjoy the chase of the championship better? I mean, they both have their benefits. The storyline, the promo wise, I enjoy the chase. Yeah. I enjoy being the underdog of the situation, especially as a baby face. So as a heel, I'd probably be answering this question completely differently. But uh, as as champion now, though, like I, I can't say that I don't enjoy it because there's something so challenging about having to go out last on these pay-per-views that it, it just elevates me. It makes me elevate myself. So like uh, it started really the first time I really felt it was Slammiversary. It's the first time I really got... I get nervous every time I wrestle. The first time I really got like nervous, nervous where I'm like doubting my own ability and all this other stuff going out in the main event with Eric Young because it was such a monumental event to me, 20 year anniversary. And then emergence, I was like, this one will be easier. Nope. Mia Yim and Jordan Grace go out right before the main event where I'm supposed to wrestle Alex Shelley. And I can hear the crowd losing their shit for 20 minutes straight. And I'm doing push-ups, warming up for my match going, how am I going to top that man? And it's just like this, this weird feeling of pressure that I get every time I go out, it happened again at bound for glory. I had to follow Masha Jordan grace, which I knew was going to like hit a home run and it did. And you know, it's just, it's just this weird thing. Like when I say I want to be challenged, I want to, when I, when I say that it's because it's the only thing that pushes me to better myself. And that's the stuff that really like validates me and gives me enjoyment out of this whole thing. For those who don't know, just a little background, um, particularly pay-per-view days. Um, and it took me a while to get used to Josh at first before I really knew, knew him. And once again, I hate to be redundant, but a lot like Kurt Angle when it comes to this, he's very serious on that day. Um, almost like, um, kind of like don't fuck with me in a way <laughs> like, but not in a bad way. He doesn't mean it. In other words, he's focusing, he's focused for the day. And you know, it starts basically after catering um, because now he's got a belly full. Cause when he doesn't have food, he's mad anyway. Um, but what I admire about that is that the guy takes it so serious and he really, really does care and does want to be challenged. What he's telling you is the truth. So a typical day, I have, you know, on a pay-per-view, usually I try to do as less as I can because of the fact that usually Josh has the longest match and more involved. And I don't want things before him, like, right close together. So usually I do about two to three matches before his. Three is usually too much, but usually I'll do about two matches before him. And I'm always constantly, he'll probably tell you, I'm a worry wart, and I'll, I'll go up to him, like, nonstop. What do we got? What do we got? And I could tell, I don't think he's mad. I just think he's focused and he just wants to get it together and wants me to fuck off and leave him alone till he gets the shit together. So he's like, I don't have anything yet. I don't have anything yet. Let me give you the finish. And, and he knows now, I know he knows this now. I don't want the fucking finish. I want everything else. That's what I want. <laughs> the finish is the easiest thing to remember. I want all the other shit. And he's just very, very, very intense. And there's, that's a word that fits him more than anybody I've ever met. With the exception of Kurt Angle, I'm sorry, but I just have to keep doing it. But um, but just very intense. And if you don't know Josh and you're a referee and you ever work with him, it's not he doesn't like you. Um, he just <laughs> he just he, he just doesn't want to talk to you right now. He just he's not ready. He's not ready. When he's ready, he'll open up to you and he'll talk to you. So I'm just saying for all the listeners that that, that that's that's a true stat fact. 
You can mark it down. I'm not lying. I'm not over-exaggerating. Josh might not remember it because he's so intense. He doesn't remember what the fuck he's doing. I don't know. But uh, it took me a little bit to get you know used to that. I actually, when I first got back to Impact, I actually went to um, Daniel and I was like, Daniel, does, does Josh not like me? He says, what do you mean? I'm like, he wants, he acts like he doesn't want to give me the time of day. He's like, oh, no, no, man. He's focused. And I'm like, well, Jesus Christ. So, yeah. I got used to it. And I, hey, you know what? I liked it. I, I loved it. And I was never worried and never wondered what I was doing in a match because he always broke it down for me. And sometimes when he didn't break it down for me, I got a little nervous. There was a couple matches he did on TV that were like, I wouldn't say squash matches, but just simple matches. And he would go, well, that, you know, here's the finish. And I'll go, no, 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 no. Uh-uh. What's what? That's the finish, dude. I'm telling you. And I'm like, that's it? And he's like, that's it. And I'm like, oh, Okay. And I'm like, oh, God, you know what I mean? Like, because I want all of it. But um, no, just very intense, man. And it took me a little while to get used to, but I did. And I love you, Josh. <laughs> well, I'm glad, I'm glad you understand me. Uh, I'd, like to, I'd like to hope that most people in the locker room understand me now after three plus years. But uh, I've been accused of having resting bitch face before. And it's you're absolutely right. It's not that I'm mad. It's not that I don't like anybody. It's not that I'm not friendly. It's that. I like I'm a I'm a basketball fan, a huge basketball fan. And like Kobe Bryant was known for this thing. Like it's just this weird work ethic thing that I've tried to apply to everything I do. I want to be the best at everything I do. So I just put all my energy into thinking about that stuff. And I'm glad you understand that now, at least. So. No, I do, man. I do. Your game day, man. Your game day. That's what it is. Yeah. I mean, it's all good. All good. I really appreciate it. Kurt was the same way, dude. I'm telling you. Um, when he was ready to open up and talk, it, it almost never stopped with him. Um, but but before that, it was literally in a way without being that way, like a, a fuck off. Don't don't don't. I'll, I'll let you know, kind of thing. And it's okay. I get it, and I and I appreciate it, man. I, you're a pro, and you take your shit serious. You want to be challenged, and I'm, you can't be challenged if I'm all over you asking you shit. So, <laughs> you can't you can't you can't get that. You don't peek behind the curtain on any other show. Christ, man. If you're not if you're if you're not if you're not blown up on refer at uh, referees on Twitter, Brian, it's like you got this stuff coming for you. So at least you got something going. As long as he likes me and not, not going to hurt me, I don't care. I'm good. I mean, you're retired now, so you made it out without a scratch. So you're all right. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> well, like he always likes to say, Josh, never say never. There's always that one one more thing you could do, right, Brian? One, there's always one more thing. I've had a couple of guys that asked me what I do a couple of things and I, I would, um, you know, obviously the Chicago deal, everybody thought I was reneging with like, Oh, we see you doing that. I had already signed up for that. I had to honor that. Um, but, um, if he, if he needed me to do a match or wanted me to do a match, you damn right. I would. Yeah. Hell yeah. Shit. I'll fly um, all over the, I'll, I'll fly across the world to see that Brian. <laughs> damn sure would. Uh, but before we get up to our third count, I just had one thing too, is you've had matches literally against everybody. You know, you've had matches against Ace Austin, Chris Bay, PD Williams, um, Trey Miguel, but you've also had matches against guys like Moose and Christian, more of the map based wrestlers. Is there a specific, you know, uh, move set or specific wrestler that, you know, you really at home with, or is it just, Hey, let's, let's wrestle kind of thing. Uh, the, like the styles clash and all that stuff. No, yeah. there's nothing specific. Like 
like when I think about the best wrestlers that like I enjoyed watching growing up and when I became a wrestler that I enjoyed even more, I'm talking like the Kurt Angles, the Eddie Guerrero's, the Bret Hart's, all that stuff. And like, if you watch their body of work, I think they can work with anybody like mm-hmm. Bret Hart, that one King of the ring worked with a high flyer and one, two, three kid. Mm-hmm. He worked with, uh, I think it was Mr. Perfect. And then he worked mm-hmm. with Bam Bam Bigelow. And like, you're talking about three completely pol- polarizing types of professional wrestlers. And he had amazing matches with all of them. Uh, that's that's my goal i like to try to be a chameleon and work with anybody at any time for me the only thing that makes a match special for me that like can like when you're talking about like those match of the night so those those matches that people remember for a long time the only thing that i need to get that is i need somebody to have the same mentality as me i need them to have that game day mentality that when they go into that match they're going to give everything they have to try to make it happen and that's why the matches with like Eddie Edwards are so special with Alex Shelley are so special. Eric Young was so special. Jonah was so special. Moose was so special. TJP, every single match we had, because we had the same mentality. TJP is the biggest mark in the world for Kobe Bryant, that mama mentality. And he applies that to wrestling. And like, that that's the same thing I'm talking about. When you go out there, you're going out there with a chip on your shoulder and you're leaving it all in the ring. That's all I need and all I ask for. Yeah, because those are a lot of the guys that, you know, I was actually going to bring them up because it's like you, you, the matches are so like, oh, shit, like so many, they were matched there with Eric at Emergence. It's just like every single time it's like, oh, man, wait for this. Oh, wait for that. And just like, oh, that's just such fluidity in it where there wasn't a you know a hiccup here or a hiccup there. Because sometimes you can watch some matches and okay, this is what happened here or that's what happened there. But those matches it's like man it just it just rolls so well thank you yeah no it's just all it's all about keeping it physical and all that other stuff because if you if you keep it physical and you keep the pace up then you're never going to see any of that stuff and i think that's where people get hung up and that's just experience yeah no doubt about that all right brent let's send it up to, to the third count get some listener questions and a couple couple two three from us as well ladies and gentlemen this is your third count count All right, so we're back. Uh, Josh, you are actually starting off at uh, Impact this tomorrow night. Excuse me. Um, is, is there a little sneak peek you can give us right now, or is it just basically you just want to get out there and, you know, go over the this past weekend's events at uh, Bound for Glory? Yeah, well, coming out of Bound for Glory, I think the war with Honor to More is finally over. Uh, and, you know, the way we went off the air was with Bully Ray holding my championship, looking me eye to eye and his return to uh, Impact Wrestling. So, you know, we're going to kick off the show, and I think we should just address all the, uh, the new contenders and challengers that we might have for this Impact World Championship. Get that out of the way before, you know, somebody stabs me in the back like they did last year at Bound for Glory. So. How excited are you about the uh... – possible chances of you and bully ray i'm actually quite excited about it like uh the internet can say whatever they want you know because i I, it's been kind of like half and half received but uh i I think there's a great deal of stuff that i can learn from somebody like bully ray especially you know maybe not as much bell to bell because our styles are so different but like in how to build a match in a program and all this other stuff if we do end up working together for a longer you know time like he's been in the business for what 30 years man there's there's something i can take away from anybody in this business but somebody like that with that much experience who's worked with so many people of course i can I, I, there's a ton of stuff i can learn from somebody like that so. Could this be the first time you've worked with him uh one-on-one 
Yeah, I only met him maybe once or twice before this. So. Oh wow, I didn't know that. That's that's yeah. going to be very interesting. Yeah. Um. So, <laughs> do you do you think that there's anyone out there that would just be your Mount Rushmore of a challenger? In other words, if there's anybody out there in any company, and if you're not comfortable with the question, that's cool. Um, that you just would like to lock horns with and just step it up and let's 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 do the deal. Yeah, you know, there's if you talk about AEW, I think Kenny Omega and Brian Danielson are at the top of the list. So I think if you talk about New Japan, uh Will Ospreay and Shingo and Okada are right up there with my personal like bucket list matches that I need to have happen before I stop wrestling. Uh, WWE, there's a, there's a ton of people at WWE I want to work with. Most notably, probably, you know, the Sheamuses and the Gunthers, just for how like hard hitting it would be, or the Drew McIntyres. But uh, there's a there's a ton of talent throughout all this whole wrestling industry right now that I'd love to work with. It's just you know whether or not it happens is a different thing, and I can't hang, I, I I can't stress about those kind of things. So yeah, you and Randy would be a good pairing, I think. Oh yeah. Yeah, you know, I, I didn't mention him because, like, it's just, like, he's not on TV right now and all this other stuff. Like, he, he kind of, like, falls. He's just been so consistently amazing for so long that he gets overlooked. Like, people talk about the greatest wrestler on earth right now. And the fact that people name me and, like, there's somebody like Randy Orton that's still active blows my mind. Like, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. He's just been so healthy too. Up until now, he's like he's so been been so healthy, and he's been oh, he's always been on TV. You know, he's you know he's been gone for you know a handful of moment, but it's like okay, now it's kind of extended because I think it's his back. If I have anything that I've been seeing, yeah, I don't know what it is, but he's he's always been consistent, great man. Yeah, you know, and something else that was really consistent, great. We talked about it, you know, before you know we hit record too and came back was the year Rebellion two thousand twenty two match. Um, with Moose. Um, and you also touch on it too, where you guys just work so well together. Uh, my buddy, Brad, uh, Brad Stanton uh, brings up a question. He says, how hard was it to get your family involved in storylines with Moose? Uh, and are there like, really, are there like family meetings, so to speak with your wife and kids say, Hey, this is what's going on kind of thing. Or. Um, well, I, I asked my wife, I don't, uh, there's no family meeting of this is what's going on. I'm not telling anybody anything, especially not my wife, <laughs> but no, uh, yeah, it, it's a, it's a, Hey, do you, do you want to be a part of this? Do you think this is too far to have, you know, Jet Lucas be a part of this? We, we, we all agreed. No. Cause like we, I picture it like me as a kid, man, if I had a chance to be on a pay-per-view or, you know, seen on TV at all you know, as a child, like, I, I think that'd be the coolest thing ever. So to be able to, you know, give that to my kids, give them a memory that's lasting forever in the ether of time and entertainment and stuff like that. That's pretty cool. That ass to me. And my wife's formerly, you know, a professional wrestler. She's been wrestling longer than me. Uh, that's how I first, you know, discovered her was on a DVD for ring of honor. You know, I never, never knew this was a possibility, but, uh, yeah, it, it was super cool to have them involved. It wasn't hard whatsoever. I, I think it just added a layer to that storyline that we needed. You know, we talked about the chase versus having the championship, and that was that part of the chase that made the promos and all that other stuff that goes into the story and build that much easier because, you know, when I'm cutting promos, I'm not I'm not making any of that up. I don't have to act. I can just put myself in a situation where Moose is actually doing this to my wife and children. Mm -hmm. That makes that all very easy for me, and I think it makes it very easy for fans to, you know, uh, connect with me on. Yeah. yeah. And it's one of the things too, if anybody that's ever watched, um, 
watch you if always you've always had your, your son came out there at rebellion and it's just is there kind of twofold is there any advice that you know he's really asked you about the business i know he's on the younger side but even your older son too but have they really started to like grasp on okay this is what daddy's doing for for a job kind of thing and it's i i i know your youngest judd he's like he's always he watches nothing but josh alexander matches <laughs> Oh, no, 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 no. PCO is no. his favorite wrestler. We, we have to be oh, honest. <laughs> well, there you go. Uh, he, he knows that he's going to be Jed Alexander one day and he's already yeah. thinks he's world champion, but no, he is. He watches everything, man. He is uh, an encyclopedia of wrestling already at the age yeah. of four years old. Uh, as far as like for what I do and with their knowledge of it, they're, they're completely, you know, I don't know if trained is the word or whatever, but they're, they're very knowledgeable on it. They know that like come Friday, I'm probably not going to be here and I won't be back till Monday, but when I'm home, I'll make the most of it and all this other stuff. And when they get to come along, you know, it's like they're at Disneyland all of a sudden, like I just had them there in Albany this past weekend for bound for glory. And it was like, like they say they have more fun than they do when we go to amusement parks. So that's, that's cool by me. Cause that's daddy's job. So yeah. Well, that's all that, it's the kind of the growing, growing up kid amusement park growing up with that. But um, anybody that's listening here, whether they be, you know, getting into the business or thinking about getting into the business, you know, what's that little bit of advice that you got earlier on or something that you learned throughout, you know, the years that you've been in it, the advice that you would bestow about upon them. I get asked this all the time and, you know, whether I'm at an independent show or wherever, wherever I'm talking to some young wrestler or a trainee or somebody that's going to start training. The answer is always the same. Uh, I, I wasted probably 10 years of my career until I broke my neck. And that was because I was always super talented. Like it was wrestling came naturally to me. Uh, I could always have good matches and all this other stuff. They might not have been great, but for what they were at the time, they were good. Uh, so I never felt like I had to work for it. And when I broke my neck, I realized that I had all this unfinished business, all these things that I had not done that I'd wasted away, just being kind of complacent with my spot, being a big fish in a small pond. And I realized that I had to work harder. If I wanted to be bigger and better and get those contracts that I thought I deserved before I broke my neck, that I better put myself in the shoes of the greatest of all time and work just as hard as them. And that's when, you know, I really transformed my body and my mentality and all these other things and everything else followed along in my personal and professional life. So it's just about staying consistent, being persistent. And, uh, you know, wrestling's going to break your heart a million times, but it's just about, uh, you know, being ready for when there is an opportunity because eventually one will come your way. They don't come very often, but you have to be ready whenever they come. So, Josh, you, um, you also, if I'm right, and I'm not sure about this, but this is something I've heard and I don't know. Uh, and I asked RJ a little something about this. You battled some weight issues at some point career, right? Uh, not, not my career. I grew up a very, like a, an obese kid. I was 300 pounds when I was in what I, we call it grade 11. So I think that's like what junior year. Yeah. 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 yeah so in junior year I was 300 pounds. I, I couldn't do a push up. Like I, I was, ba- I was a basketball player for most of my, like, you know, junior high and early high school years. And I broke, I, uh, I tore my meniscus early on when I was like 15 or 14. And I just sat on the couch and ate candy. I drank pop all day and got real big. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I've always had a bad relationship with food because it's always been uh, throughout my life. I've had a lot of like emotional stuff from like my parents and all this other stuff. And the way I dealt with that was by eating. So, you know, that's been my reward system my whole life. So it took me a lot of time growing up and it took really finding wrestling and finding something that made me want to change. 
to, you know, get rid of that. It's been a 15 year battle. I still battle with it to this day. I, I still look in the mirror and I still see that same fat kid. And that's why I'm never happy with how I look. And that's why, you know, I work so hard, but, uh, you know, I, I've come to enjoy working hard, doing all these things I have to do every day, even though I'm quite exhausted most of the time, but, uh, it's very fulfilling. <laughs> were you ever, were you ever bullied at all because of it? And the reason why I'm asking you that is because, um, RJ may not know this, but I'm, I'm working on a project that hopefully, um, happens sometime next year where, um, I'm, I'm very, very into heartfelt about bullying mm -hmm. and, um, I want to actually at some point uh, visit different schools and uh, try and fix this shit because it bothers me. And the reason why I'm asking you where you ever bullied is because I want to know if there's anything out there to, because we do have some young listeners on here. And um, if there's anything you could give them advice wise about being bullied, not just about weight, but just in general, because, you know, I, I just think that this world's so cruel and so mean, um, you know, my son who, in my opinion, is, is, is just a really good kid and looks perfect and normal, um, but was bullied. And, uh, and it wasn't so bad because he's got a stupid ass dad that doesn't give you shits and, um, gave him the okay to pick the fucker up and slam it through a desk and get suspended. And, um, but it shouldn't have to be that way. You know what I mean? And, you know, you come home and you see bruises on your kid you know, on the back of their arms and stuff, and you don't know why, and they don't tell you why, and then finally they do because they're scared to say anything. Um, so I just want to know if there's anything for my, my crusaders that I'm going to take on hopefully sometime soon and if that you can give them advice-wise. Yeah, I was I was bullied most of my life. I was If I wasn't the fat kid in class, I was the poor kid in class, or I was the smelly kid in class because I didn't have the nicest shoes, the nicest shirts, and all this other stuff. Uh, I, I dealt with all my life. I tried to commit suicide when I was in grade seven. I, I tried again, you know, six months later. Uh, I think I've talked about that before pretty openly. And, uh, you know, it's just, I don't think there's anything you're going to do about bullying. I, I really don't. I think it's always going to be there. I think it's even worse now with social media and all this other stuff, not just because of people's, uh, like their ability to comment or say anything they want to you anonymously which will also eat away at you it's just about I, I think people have to learn and this is something that i'm gonna have to deal with, with my own sons is you're gonna have to learn that like you can't take any of this stuff to heart this is just like like i don't know what it was with me something clicked eventually when i was uh you know my my what's what is it freshman year of high school i met a guy I was wearing a wrestling shirt to class. He wore a wrestling shirt to class and I started a new school and immediately we became best friends. And the second I met him, all these thoughts of committing suicide and not wanting to be alive anymore because, you know, I, I was alone and like all this other stuff. I finally had somebody I could talk to about all these problems. And I think that's the big issue. I think a lot of people feel like they have nowhere they can go. Sure. Your parents love you, but you don't want to tell them these things you're going through. Right. And like, like you, your son coming home with bruises on the back of his arms and not wanting to tell you how he got them. He doesn't want to tell you because he's ashamed. He doesn't want to tell you because he doesn't want you to freak out. He doesn't want to tell you because he has to deal with this himself. He knows that at some point, uh, you know, it's just all about finding somebody to be in your life that, you know, can listen to you. And you know, I was lucky enough to do that. And I think there's always somebody out there for somebody. There's always one person that's willing to listen. It's just being open enough to find that person. Awesome deal, man. Yeah, because I believe uh, 
Mark Merrow does a lot of that stuff too, where he goes to, I, I might've mentioned this to you, Brian, too, where he goes to a lot of high schools, schools in general. Uh, I know he's down at like Atlanta now, but he's actually from upstate New York too. Uh, but he does that same sort of thing that you were talking about, Brian. And I mean, I mean, Josh, Josh is right though. In this aspect, I mean, you know, it'll never stop. Um, you can't control it in social media. You're right. You got little fucking dorks that sit behind a computer that can say whatever they want and couldn't fight the way out of a paper bag. Um, but my mentality is, you know, let's just say it's a local school, you know, two counties away and I'm able to change three people out of a thousand that are there. Um, see, I'm working with big numbers there, Josh. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but no, but like, you know, just change three opinions of bullies that, that to stop doing that shit. I mean, I think it could be worth it. Um, but yeah, I'm with you. It is an uphill battle and it's, it's, it's hard. And I just, it, I don't know, I guess it hit home to me because of my son and it, you know, he's such a good kid and shit like that. And dude, you know, you have kids. And I mean, when, you know, you, I don't know if you've gone through it, but your kid being picked on, man, is like really hardcore to me. I mean, like it just hits your heart and it's like, you want to do everything for them. Like, I don't care if the kid's six years old, you want to kick his face in, you know what I mean? Because leave my kid alone. You know what I mean? Yeah, but, no, I've, I've, I've dealt with that myself, you know, even with your four-year-old in the playground, when he, a kid comes up and pushes him over, you just, you just want to kick the other kid right over and protect yeah. him right away. But you got to, you know, let them float by themselves and figure it out. Right. That's the part of life that sucks, but. Yeah. Well, yeah, it is what it is, but we'll see. But I, I do appreciate your comments on that. That's, that's, that was awesome. So uh, a, a listener named Sarah Walker had a question for you and she wanted to know which wrestler got you inspired to be a wrestler? Who, who made you want to be that guy? Uh, well, the one that made me a wrestling fan was still called Steve Austin back when I was like 10 or 11 years old on his run to the championship at WrestleMania 14. That's when I discovered wrestling altogether. But the one that made me want to be a wrestler was probably, I had to pick one. It was like, it was, it was AJ or Loki, probably. It was the early TNA oh, wow. days. Yeah. Wow. Well, they popped up in the early TNA days. I watched that first pay-per-view, and through that, I discovered Ring of Honor, and I ordered their DVDs, and I just saw this completely different style of pro wrestling that I thought maybe I could do. Because before that, all I'd seen is Batista and The Undertaker and these monumental figures, and I was just like, there's no way that this, whatever I was at that time, could do that. You know what I mean? So. So I had a question asked to me last week. Um, we did an interesting podcast last week where we didn't have a guest. It was just basically an Ask Hebner kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Someone asked me my thoughts on your title win. Uh, RJ, or you probably know too. What was that at when, when Moose took it away from you and cashed in? That was Bound for Glory last year in Vegas. Okay, Bound for Glory. So they asked me what my thoughts were on that. And I said to them, and I was being open and honest, that they were mixed because I was so happy for you. And really, to be honest with you, I didn't know a whole lot about what was going on that day. I kind of found out, I wouldn't say right before I went out, but I, I, I found out later, much later in the day. Um, and I knew your family was there because um, I played with Jet most, most of the day, actually. Um, and... I felt like it was a, a good story, but kind of sucked in a way too. What, what were your thoughts on that, man? I mean, it, it, it couldn't, I mean, I, I know you're probably going to say what I think you're going to say, but I mean, like, I know that meant something to you, but then it was just taken away from me too. I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm such a mark. I, I can't help it either, but 
I don't know. What, what, that was my response. My response was it worked storyline-wise, but it sucked for Josh. That was my response. What, what, what do you think? Well, yeah, like when you first hear about it, you're like, okay, this is the plan. This is what I went into knowing that that was the plan. But there's part of me thinking like, you know, what if I get over so much, they change the plan, you know, that'd be cool. <laughs> right. But, you know, to have this feel good story and all this other stuff, but then like all that stuff happens. And like, for me, like I'm very like kind of old school in the sense of like, I'm getting paid to do a job. I go there, I punch my ticket. I do my job as well as I can. I punch my ticket, I go home. And that's all I did with the, the bow for glory thing. I was hopeful that, you know, things could get better or, you know, whatever it was, but I, I just had to trust the writing team and the bosses at impact because the, those are the people I'm working for. And that's what I had to do. Right. Awesome. So we had a couple of questions from uh, Richard Brown. He says uh, his first one is, did you ever tour the Prairie provinces with CWE out of Win Winnipeg prior to ROH? And what was your experience of it experiences? If so, I did not. Uh, several people I know did. And I, because of that had heard that I probably shouldn't. So no. <laughs> it, it, it was, it was, it was just like a thing. Like I, I didn't want to do that travel because I always had to have like a day job to yeah. pay my bills. And if I left for a tour like that, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have made enough money to pay my bills and stuff. So how, how long of a tour would that be from, cause you're up uh, like Toronto area. That would they used to do those days. tours for like three weeks at a time. Yeah. So like getting that kind of time off work is just not something feasible for someone like me. Right, right. Understandable. Um, and his last question is, what is your advice to a young Canadian female who wants to get into wrestling? Find a well, reputable why, school. Sorry. Why, no, why, why is Richard Brown asking about this question? That's kind of weird. Maybe as a daughter. Who knows? Okay. There you go, Josh. <laughs> You're always a man. Always a man <laughs> of reasoning. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm hoping, at least. Um, no. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I, I, the same answer applies whether you're female or male. It doesn't matter. If you want to get into this business, find a reputable school that has trained people that have been successful and go there. I don't care if it's the closest school to you. I don't care if you have to save up all the money you can to travel somewhere and live somewhere else. If you really want to do this, if you want to be a doctor, you're not going to go to, you know, Hackensack Community College because it's down the street. You want to be a doctor, you're going to go to a reputable university or something so you can save lives. If you want to be a good wrestler, go to a good wrestling school. Uh, we have another question here. Uh, Richard R. Um, are you going to select Rich Swan as the next tournament challenger? Tournament challenger? Uh, I, I'm can... just, just reading the paper. Yeah. Well, I, I, it's not up to me to select people. Uh, Rich Swan, one of my great friends at Impact Wrestling, super talented, could be Impact Wrestling champion again, I'm sure, as long as I'm not the champion when he challenges. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, I, if I could pick, yeah, I would love to wrestle Rich and Impact, but uh, you know, I, I can't do that. So. There you go. Um, I, have a, I have a question for you, too. Um, so, and it kind of touches on the family thing, which, you know, it, it, you know, obviously you're a good family dude. I, 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 I'm a good family guy, I think. Um, do you so the, the reasoning for my retirement, a lot of it basically was spending time with my daughters who are 13 with their brother that's now in college, um, filling the void of him being gone because he was so involved while I was gone. Um, do you think that you can make up lost time? In other words, my son missed so much because I was on that WWE grind and, um, 
I was gone, you know, every Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, every week. Um, and I missed a lot, a whole lot, you know, and I, and I didn't realize how much I missed until he grew up and I had girls and, you know, they tell you, he didn't, you know, the girls tell you, um, I just want to know, how do you handle that part of that business and how do you plan on overcorrecting you being gone? Because that's just part of this business. You're going to be gone and there's nothing you can do about it unless you get out of it. So how do you plan on tackling it? me it's just like anytime i'm around i'm 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 present i'm listening you know what i mean I'm, i try to make the most of all that time uh i don't have like the schedule that you used to have uh so i don't really i don't i'm hoping i don't have to worry that much about that stuff but maybe i will in the future but uh yeah it's just being present in the moment and being there for them at all times and, like i i have a benefit man like FaceTime has changed the game for this stuff. I don't know how any of you guys did this before FaceTime existed. I at least get to see my kid, speak to him and act like I'm in the room with him, you know, every night when I get back to my hotel room. So that, that if without that, I don't know how I would do this to be honest. So props <laughs> to you, but like you, you, you can answer that question better. I'm sure like your dad wasn't around very much when you were younger and like you've developed quite the relationship with him. Right. So. Yeah. I mean, you know, I will say, you know, and people ask all the time, you know, my, my dad went to one basketball game of mine through my whole yeah. life, uh, one baseball game. Uh, the basketball game he came to, I uh, scored 43 points. Uh, the ba- baseball game, I got yanked in the first inning. Um, yeah, it was a it was, it was a shit show, that baseball game. And I was a, actually a gr- pretty good pitcher. I just couldn't find my shit because I saw my dad sitting there. Um, but, no, it, it, it sucked. It did. It really did, man, because he wasn't involved in my personal life. Uh, as far as me as a, a kid and an athlete and kind of thing like that at all. Um, and it wasn't necessarily his fault because, you know, they were running hard then anyway. Uh, you're talking 10 days, uh, come yeah. home for three, 10 days gone again, you know, and what are you going to do in three days? You're going to get your own shit together and get back on the road. You know, that's, that's just the way it was. Yeah. Um, and it, it kind of was like that for Trevor, just not as bad, but, still pretty bad, man. I mean, you, when you only get to get home for, you know, basically two and a half days, cause you can't count the first day. Um, it just kind of sucked. And I go back and I look and I think, you know, sometimes how bad you, you just can't get that back. You know what I mean? And I'm just glad he's a boy who's got a big heart and understands and knows and he's smart and just realizes that that's what I had to do to put food on the table and put a roof over his head. And, um, the girls don't see it that way. And, uh, you know, they just don't. Uh, they don't understand why I have to leave. They don't understand why I'm not at games. They just don't get it. And I, I can't make them get it. And guess what? I'm, I'm very fortunate that I don't have to make them get it. So it's so just an interesting thing, man. You know, this business, yeah, it's, sure. it's a it's a great business, but it does take away a lot of things in life that we all take for granted. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, my, my grandfather, he worked for a hydro company and he was gone 220 days a year. You know what I mean? Doing his job to put food on the table and a roof over his kid's head. Like everybody has these jobs. Not everybody is home every night. You know, when they are home, not everybody's present. So if you can make the best of your time when you are there, I think that's all all the kid can ask for. My parents were there every single night, but I don't have a good relationship with my parents from childhood because all they want to do is sit on the couch and drink rum and Coke. Right. I mean, so like everything, everything's applicable to the certain situation that you handle. Because that was a nice segue. My son actually has a question for you too, Josh. He wants to know who was your toughest opponent to date? Uh, 
Like it's 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 a tough question, but uh, Eddie Edwards, uh, I'm only three days removed, and my nose still hurts a lot, and my eye still hurts a lot, but uh, my chest is all ripped apart like it's never been before from wrestling, and uh, it might have been the toughest match we ever had, to be honest, physically. I, I literally, I literally want to go back and count how many chops were in that match. That was a lot. A lot. Well, um, I broke my I broke my nose, Brian, and I had no idea where I was for a second. And then once all the the tears fell into my eyes and I could see again, I, I I was just like, I don't know what's going on. And I was like, just hit me, dude. And he just hit me, and he was hitting me just trying to wake me up so I could get through that thing. So something else I wanted to say too, uh, and and this is this is really honestly in my heart, but ooh, okay, so me, you, and TJP had a. Iron Man match uh, in Nashville in front of no one. Mm-hmm. Uh, cameraman and me, you, and TJP. And I will say that probably is a top highlight of my career. And I mean that because us three worked our complete asses off with no one there. And I know me and you've talked about it before, but I, I probably sweat out every middle light I've ever drank probably in a year span. Um, I was probably sweating more than y'all. And that's when I found out that I am out of fucking shape. And <laughs> it, it, it was just an amazing match. I mean, it really was. And I want to thank you for that too, because I didn't really think it was real. And I was going to, I was actually going to give that match to somebody else when I was doing the assignments. And everybody was like, no, 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 no you're doing this match. I was like, you got to be kidding me. Um, But anyway, I'm so glad I took it. And golly, man, I just never knew how good something could be with nobody there. And I, you know, I just wanted to hear your thoughts on that because I mean, it's gotta be something in your, I would say list of things. It's gotta be pretty high. I mean, that, that match was just phenomenal. Yeah. And I'll never forget it. I'm certainly happy you were a part of it. Uh, but like the one, the one thing that I remember that I'll always remember about that match is like, like TJ, what he did for me in that match, like I'll never forget that. That is the start of everything I've accomplished now. That is the the kicking off point of all this stuff. And like, it takes two to tango, man. I could be the best wrestler on earth. And I could not have that match without somebody comparable in that ring. And TJP was definitely a better wrestler than me in that match. He's probably still a better wrestler than me now. He has coached me and taught me so much, and he did in that match. And, uh, like, to me, he made me. And, uh, you know, I, I don't think a lot of people recognize when that happens or can remember, but, like, luckily I can. We went out there with nobody there, and I had – the second I heard that that match was happening – I had nothing but a, a grin on my face from ear to ear because I knew what it meant. I knew what the possibilities were. I knew what I could do with that kind of match for my, to make me as a wrestler. And, uh, you know, for TJP to be my dancing partner, I, I'm sure if they didn't pick TJP first, if they went to a few other people, you know, first, they would have been like, I don't want to do that. Why are you asking me to do that? TJP just said, hell yeah, let's do it. Because he has the same chip on his shoulder that I have. And he's going to go out there and do the best he can. And you can attest to this right now during that whole pandemic year of wrestling. The one thing that fucking chapped my ass more than anything was that we had to do pause, edit, let's redo it in matches. And it was, it was this thing where like, it's okay if it happens every once in a while, like botches are going to happen. And if you want it to be perfect, it can be perfect. But to me, wrestling isn't perfect. 
wrestling, wrestling, part of wrestling is the fact that you will fuck up and you do clean it up and you do keep going and you see if anybody can notice. If you're really good, you can cover that shit up most of the time. And me and TJP had the same mentality. We don't want to stop, especially in this Ironman match. Like we need all the adrenaline we can get to get through this thing physically. And it was like 65 minutes of action. I don't think there was one pause edit anywhere. We just kept going the entire way. And like, that was the one part that I want to hang my hat on for that match because like both me and TJ just wanted to get through that. So two things I want to touch on on that. And you're so right. And I wanted to, man, I want to touch on that because you're so right. And I do remember, I don't know if you remember or not. Well, that may, well, you brought it up. So me and you talked about that before about all the pauses and all the stops. I'm not using names, but it was literally like guys that would go, hold on, hold on a minute. And I'm like, what do you mean? Hold on a minute. I got gassed. Let me take a break for a minute. And it would piss me off bad. No, I'm being dead serious. Josh, am I not kidding? No. I, yeah. The water breaks. There was, there was, <laughs> it was, it was definitely, they, people started taking advantage of the ability to take breaks more than anything. And it was just because they could. Yeah. And I mean, I even went to D'Lo because I wasn't going to Scott because I mean, who, who the fuck am I? And I said, D'Lo, you know, this is going to kill us when we go live because, you know, at some point we're going to go back live with the crowd. This is killing us. These boys are not learning shit and they're young. They're not learning shit. And he agreed. But like we all know, there's nothing we could do about it. I mean, at that point in time, because the pity was on the boys. And I, don't, and I, and I get it because we were working in front of nobody trying to make TV. It's, it's tough. Um, and then, you know, I wanted to ask this too. This is, I don't even know if you remember this. Um, there was a spot in that match or a point in that match. There were kicks that went back and forth with you and TJ. Now I know y'all love each other and all that stuff, but I know that things get physical. Um, and I just remember this and you're probably wondering how the fuck do you remember this? Um, but he gave you two big kicks hard in the back. Boom, boom. And I actually remember you cursing um, and being like, what the fuck? Um, and then I remember a couple stiff shots by you uh, shortly thereafter. Um, do you remember or can you touch on that? That was just me and him pushing each other, trying to wake each other up, trying to you know, elevate the match a little bit. Like, that's the thing. You can hit me as hard as you want. You hit me in a safe spot. I'm not going to care. I might curse a little bit or say something because like, it stings. That's just me amping myself up. And that's all it is, man. It's just two guys playing off each other, trying to amp each other up. Gotcha. Gotcha. I, I figured that. I just thought it was really interesting because I, I, when it happened, I was like, oh, shit. The Easter Let egg from that match that you really want to know is the in the Tree of Woe right before we went to extra time. Uh, I'm stuck in a Tree of Woe and TJ sits in front of me and I slap him. And I'm upside down. I am really accurate with my strikes. But I'm upside down. So when I slap him, I'm off. And I slap him right in the ear and pop his eardrum. Oh. So TJ, TJ gets real hyped up and slaps the shit out of me like six times in a row. And I'm like helpless in a tree of woe. And he hits me in the bone in the eye. And that's when my eyes shut. And uh, it, it, he hit me like, yeah, I said six times, but maybe like four times. And the first three, I was like, okay, one more. If he gives me one more after this, I'm going to fucking kill him. I'm going to get off this <laughs> turnbuckle and I'm just going to kill him. And he stopped, thankfully. But uh, <laughs> yeah, that, that was one of those moments where like I cuffed him in the ear and I went in my head. I went, shit, I know it's coming. Here we go. Okay, go. And he just pop, pop, pop. <laughs> but like, he's my boy, so I don't care. 
Yeah, it was fucking crazy, man. I, I was really so happy to be part of that. And I still am, man. It just, it, it is, it's up there, man. It really is. You know, what do you got, uh, what do you got coming up, Josh? Obviously, we got Impact tomorrow night. Uh, catch it every Thursday on Access TV. Uh, what do you got coming up, you know, coming up down the pipeline that you can, you know, that you can talk about or that you want to promote? Oh, we just got, we got tapings in Vegas next weekend, Sin City Showdown. Then we got uh, Louisville coming up in early November with, uh, that's the app special in TVs. Uh, we will be at WrestleCade. Impact Wrestling is rolling into WrestleCade in the Carolinas area at the end of November, which is a big, uh, you know, wrestling, uh, what is it called? Uh, conference, but yeah, extravaganza would be a good word. You want to throw that out there, Vince? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah we're all we're it's just all building up to hard to kill but uh you know you tune in impact wrestling tomorrow night on impact on access tv you're gonna see you know the laundry list of challengers and contenders i have for this world championship and where we're going because it's uh it's gonna be a bumpy ride for me for the next six months i think there you go well i've had it man if anybody can do it you can do it man <laughs> thank you well i'm really excited about the the the, the the pay-per-view and now the aftermath. I really am. Thank you. You guys have been doing a great job, man. And I'll, I'll say it and I'll keep on saying it. And I mean it. It's not because of any other reason, but I think impact wrestling's got one of the best products out. Um, I talk about it all the time and I don't need you to, I know you won't anyway, but I just, we just need more eyes, man. We need more eyes. And uh, I don't know how to fix that, but I mean, I do, but <laughs> I don't, um, but I just want to tell you, uh, you know, touching on one more thing, and then I'm, we'll, we'll 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 let you go. Um, you know, you talked about you know not really wanting to dig and to go into anywhere else. You've been happy, and you know that kind of thing. And you know, I did exactly what I wanted to do. Um, you know, Impact gave me when I lost my job at WWE. Um, I felt like the world was done and over. Um, I really did. Uh, it was the lowest point of my life. Uh, I just bought a house. Uh, I had just bought a car. And I lost my job and my wife didn't at the time, by the way, I, I don't have one now. And that might, might be why, um, but she uh, didn't know what to, to do and I didn't know what to do. And impact gave me my, my moment, my, you know, my, my, my lift of life. And I always wanted to come back again. And that's where I wanted it to be finished because I love that locker room. I love that place. I love, I just love impact wrestling. And um, so to touch on what you said, yeah, I've had plenty of opportunities to go back to WWE, go to AEW, uh, went to ring of honor. Um, sometimes it's not about opportunity and money as much as it is your happiness. And to me, I'm very fortunate, very lucky that I got to work with guys like you, um, Rich Swan, Eddie Edwards. Um, I, I shouldn't have never started a list, but anyway, uh, because it's so long, but, um, it's just awesome. And I love you guys and, uh, not wish nothing but the best. I watch you as much as I can. I'm a huge fan of jo uh, Josh, uh, and RJ, he, I don't he might be, uh, whatever. I don't know what he is, but <laughs> <laughs> he's a, he's a huge fan too. He's a, he's a super fan, I guess. Uh, but anyway, uh, to close things out, uh, I just want to thank you so, so very much, man. And you've been a lot to me and uh, I enjoy working with you so much. I hope I did everything you needed me to do. And uh, I wish you nothing but the best. And I think that you are the right man with the right belt, man. 
I appreciate the vote of confidence, man. It's like I told you, it's anniversary. Uh, I love you, and I'm I'm so happy we got to work together when we did because uh, you know if we never got this opportunity the last couple of years, I I, I would have felt uh, weird about it. It was all elevated because we got to work together. So, oh, thank you, Josh. Well, I hopefully I didn't uh, you know fanboy out too much though with uh, with Josh there, Brian. Hopefully not. You actually really behaved yourself really well. I did. I just, I, I, I laid back. I just sat back and enjoyed the stories. And yeah, I just, I didn't, uh, hopefully, like, I, I behaved myself. Hopefully, I don't have to, like, go on timeout or something or go to bed without uh, dessert or dinner or something. I, I'm just worried about what you do when we get off the air. That's all. And you know what? As long as you you're okay, know. And I don't care. Just go do what you got to do. But I'm just saying. Well, if if you get just random gifs or gifts or whatever from me overnight between now and probably about ten o'clock, you'll know why. Um, just you know, just kind of just push it to the side. But there anyways, big thanks to Josh Alexander for coming on. You know, it was definitely one of my bucket lists, as you know, um, to have him on. Um, and uh, great, just storyteller, man. It's just great to get behind behind the scenes looks into his career and uh, what he has going forward too. No, he was awesome, man, and um. I knew this would be fun, man. And like I said, me, me and him were one of those guys that just kind of hit right immediately. And, you know, well, I shouldn't say immediately. It took me a little while to figure him out. But, mm-hmm. but yeah, but it was it was a a fun ride with him, man. And I really enjoyed it. And like I said earlier, I, I'm blessed to have been part of some of his big stuff. You know, it was awesome. Yeah, and the, the heat, the, excuse me, not the heats, the hits, mind you, are going to keep on coming. Next week, we're going to be honored to have Deanna Perrazzo part of the show. Uh, we're going to be going over her match with Mickey James from Bound for Glory 2021, a Texas death match that you were a part of. Man, Brian, I remember seeing this live, and holy crap, are we in for some uh, for some good commentary on that? Oh, Lord. There were some good moments, and uh, Mickey had some classic stuff to say during that thing, and so did she. It was it was good. It was good. Yeah, I, uh, yeah we're, we're going to take a deep dive in this. This is going to be fun. Yeah, definitely good to have her on and talk about it and all that good stuff. And we're actually going to be instituting a uh, we we talked about it briefly. Um, her and uh, her fiance, I guess we can call him now, or future husband, whatever. Um, Steve Macklin. We're actually going to have, and we got the okay. Uh, we're going to do. Uh, you remember the old dating game kind of thing back in the back in the day? Yes, I do. I actually used to watch it. I used to laugh because all the guys were always idiots and they never could get the right answer. So that's that was my thought process behind this. We're actually going to have I, I haven't come up with a name yet. So maybe between now and next week and we can come up with a name uh, or somebody can suggest a name. But we're actually going to ask Deanna and Steve Macklin the same five questions and see if one can get it right. So next week, we're going to have Deanna an- ask answer the questions. The following week, we're going to have Steve Macklin on and he's going to answer five questions. So. They're due to be married probably within the next uh, month or two. So we're going to see if they're actually compatible. I, I, according, I was, to, according to wrapping it up. I was getting ready to say, are you, are you trying to make people divorced? I mean, what are you doing? No, they're two great people. I want them to be as successful as possible. They've been successful in the wrestling business. They can be successful even more so in life. Yeah. Well, believe me, they're not going to let wrapping them up. Wrapping it up, fuck them up. <laughs> there, I say, there you go. There's, there's our shirt right there. Um, but no, tune in next week. We thank you guys so much for tuning in this week and each and every week. Um, you can hit us up on Twitter and Instagram at Reffing It Up. Um, you can follow us on the social medias there, like I said, or you can just simply go to castby.com slash Reffing It Up. 
everything's right there merchandise website all that good stuff platforms are on brian you got anything else before we close shop i got nothing nothing at all except tune in next week diana Perrazzo. it's gonna be fun thanks for listening y'all have a good evening we'll see you right back here on wrapping it up next week with brian Hebner. one two three